to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Our examination into who wrote the gospel books have so far shown that the liberal claim that they were anonymous and written late is not based on evidence, but on the desire to discredit these books as eyewitness testimony, which is the gold standard for establishing historical facts. Let's continue. Uh, no, archaeological evidence isn't better. Uh, it's good. It's useful, of course. But in most cases, you need written documentation to explain their significance. Uh, you can find statues of ancient emperors, for example. You can find coins uh, with their image on it and even the inscription saying who it is. And these, of course, can testify that these people existed, probably, because... You can also find Greek coins with Zeus and Hercules on them. They didn't exist. Uh, so, so these are helpful. But in most cases, without the written documentation explaining it, you don't understand it. Uh, case in point would be Egyptian hieroglyphics. Well, as the explorers went through ancient Egypt, we found these magnificent pyramids. We found the sphinxes and, and these other structures. But we couldn't read their writing and we didn't know about their history except what we had secondhand from uh, Greek historians like Herodotus. Uh, we would dearly have loved to read it, but it, we couldn't decipher those hieroglyphics. It was, it was too complex, too, too different. Uh, they had another form of writing they developed much later, kind of a shorthand for hieroglyphics called demotic. We couldn't read that either. And it was not until 1798 when Napoleon was invading Egypt uh, and his Army Corps of Engineers dug up a, a stone, a large stone uh, that's being called the Rosetta Stone. It had an inscription. It was written in hieroglyphic. It was written in Demotic. And it was written in Greek. And the Greek we could write. And so using that stone, uh, a scholar named Francois Champollion spent 25 years and finally managed to decipher hieroglyphics. Once we had the written, then we could learn all kinds of things and understand what we found uh, another case in point, the Mayans, we've, we found their uh, pyramids and, and all kinds of remnants. We couldn't read their writing. And it was used to be assumed that though these are very peace-loving people. They're actually used to, uh, to bash Christianity and show that see pagan people could be very peaceful and loving and have a better society than Christians ever came up with. We couldn't read their writing. Once we, we were able to read their writing, we suddenly found out, oh, they weren't peace-loving uh, flower children. They, they were actually very warlike, aggressive uh, did human sacrifices and all kinds of nasty things like that. So really, you do need the written documentation. Archaeology uh, artifacts can illuminate, but really, number one is the written documentation. It is the king. Uh, but here, too, with the written documentation, they come with uh, varying degrees of credibility, just as eyewitnesses do in, in uh, court today. Uh, important question, obviously, is, is the person, as we said, was he in a position to know? Was he an eyewitness? Is he writing of things he personally saw? And if he did not, did he have access to eyewitnesses? Is he writing directly what was told to him by people who were direct eyewitnesses? Uh, and if not that, at least, well, did he at least live in eyewitness times where he could have gotten information from these people and where other people living at the time could have debunked what he wrote? because they, they knew it wasn't true. Uh, so that, that's the question. Uh, who do you trust? Who can you trust? Who's in a position to know? And I'll give you a case in point. Uh, approaching the 50th anniversary of the 1972 hockey summit series between Canada and the Soviet Union, 
very, very big event in Canadian history. Probably the rest of the world wouldn't understand, but for us it was extremely huge. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, any Canadian of a certain age could tell you exactly where he was when Henderson scored that series winning goal with 34 seconds left to play in the last game. And there have been <laughs> through these almost 50 years, so many books published on the series, all kinds of different aspects. And I read so many of them. And then a few years back, some guy came to me, told me something about the series that I had not read in any of the books. He told me that in that last game, they're trailing five to three after two periods. And the players agreed in addressing that they would try to score a goal in the first 10 minutes, try to score a goal in the last 10 minutes, tie the game, tie the series, settle for that, and leave town. And the only reason they went for the winning goal was they heard from the Soviets that, oh, if the series ends in a tie, we will declare ourselves winners for having scored more goals. So they were willing to settle for a tie and leave town. I never, ever, ever read that in any book on the series. My question is, should I believe this guy? What do you think, Johnny? Should I believe this guy? Um, I mean, I guess it depends on who he is, right? Like if I said it, then you probably wouldn't have any reason to believe it. Exactly. You hit the nail right on the head there. Who said it? Well, who said it was Brad Park? Brad Park was the star defenseman on that team. It's definitely in a position to know. Came across him at a book signing in chapters a few years back. And he's the one who told me that. Didn't see it in any book, but he was the player who was there. uh, So I believe him. That's what comes down to credibility comes down. Is the person in a position to know? Uh, So who wrote the gospel books? Let's return to Armand's statement again, looking at the third part of it. He says the gospels were written not by people or eyewitnesses, but by people living later. The Gospels were written by highly literate, trained, Greek-speaking Christians of the second and third generation. They're not written by Jesus' Aramaic-speaking followers. Uh, That's Armin's claim. But let's look at the evidence and see what we see. First question then, is there any evidence for the claims that these books were originally anonymous? They're certainly not anonymous now. They have titles. Gospel according to Matthew. Gospel according to Mark. Gospel according to Luke. Gospel according to John. The name of the author is right in the title. Uh, do we have any evidence that these are later editions, that the books are originally circulated anonymously? That's Armin's claim. What evidence does he offer? Uh, well, he doesn't. He makes the assertion. The scholarly consensus makes the assertion. But what's offered in the way of evidence is, is exceedingly thin. If, first of all, if they were anonymous, Originally, if the author didn't mention his own name inside the body of the text, that uh, would not actually be all that unusual for writings in the ancient world. Uh, Many histories written in the ancient world did not mention the name of the author in the text. Uh, Case in point, Annals, uh, universally attributed to Tacitus, the Roman writer, is considered among the finest, if not the finest, work of history from the ancient world, the Annals of Tacitus. But in point of fact, It's formally anonymous. The name of the author is not mentioned anywhere in the book. It's only in the title. And yet nobody doubts that Tacitus wrote this. So even if the gospel books were formally anonymous, the author's name not mentioned in the text, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be an issue. But is that in fact the case? The assumption here is that those titles are not part of the original text. If they are, it settles the issue right there. The author put his name and he put his name right there in the title. Uh, The assumption is that these were added later. But if 
every single ancient manuscript we have a gospel book for which we have the first page, every single one of them has the title on it. So why would we assume that the title was not part of the original writing? If liberal scholars want to claim that they were originally circulated anonymously, the burden of proof is on them to produce some actual evidence, to produce one manuscript without the title, for example. But they can't, they don't. Perhaps some ancient testimony from some writer saying there are these books that Christians use, uh, but they're anonymous, we don't know who wrote them, something like that. They don't. This is the thing, they never offer any real evidence for these claims. And then remember this as well. If the first one was published eight years after Jesus' ascension, and the next one 10 years after, there's only a two-year gap. Even if the first one had no title, as soon as the second one is published, there has to be titles to distinguish between the two. So the, the writer of the second one would have put it right there, Gospel according to Mark. And then the first one would then have to have had a title added to it, Gospel according to Matthew, which would be just two years after its publication where everyone knew who wrote it. So really the claim that they were anonymous already is standing on very, very thin ground just from the manuscript evidence alone. Uh, but further on, there are plenty of what we call early church fathers. These are early Christian leaders. Uh, people took leading positions in the church and wrote the history of the church, wrote apologetics books and so on. Uh, there were plenty of them who were in a position to know, who tell us that Matthew wrote first, who tell us that Mark uh, wrote Peter's account, that Luke was the companion of Paul, who wrote the third gospel book, and that John, the apostle closest to Jesus, wrote, wrote the uh, last one. Plenty of them, including Papias. It's called Papias, who was writing around the end of the first start of the second century, so around the year AD 100. He tells us that he inquired of anyone who had spoken with the apostles because he wanted to know the facts. Uh, he met the apostle John himself, and further, he was a companion of Polycarp, uh, who was a student of the Apostle John. You know, of Irenaeus, Irenaeus was writing around the year AD 180. He gives us a great deal of information on gospel origins. And he too was a student of Polycarp, who was a student of the Apostle John, uh, which means these were people very much in a position to know what they're talking about, certainly much more so than liberal scholars 17, 18, 1900 years removed from the fact. Okay, that's... Uh... No, that's definitely good evidence. But, you know, AD 180, that's still quite a long time, right? I mean, that's like 140 some odd years after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus in AD, I think, 33. Isn't that still too long for his testimony to count? Yeah, you're talking about Irenaeus here, whose uh, book, I want you get this, uh, was published around the year AD 180. I should mention, by the way, because I've, I've referred to a few times, published for ancient books. They're all handwritten. They didn't have printing presses. Published means released for public use. Uh, so Irenaeus, uh, around the year AD 180. And yes, that's 187 years after the uh, crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus. You might think, how can somebody have accurate information after 180 years? Uh, it might seem problematic, but again, it really isn't. Uh, first... We're not dating from the crucifixion, but from the date at which the eyewitness spoke to the writer. If Jesus was crucified in 33 and then Matthew wrote in 40 or 41, 
then the cutoff point is 4041. That's for having information on who wrote the book. Now, Matthew wrote in 4041, but he could have lived till, say, 65, AD 65. And if he'd spoken to somebody in you know, his, his old days, somebody who's young, say a 12-year-old, then that guy, he, he could have lived for quite a bit of time before passing on the information. So the question is, is this really too, too long for him to have accurate information? Well, I'll give you an example, uh, which I found quite interesting myself when I came across it. But I saw a, uh, a video on YouTube, an episode of an old game show on television called I've Got a Secret. Uh, this was the February 8th, 1956 broadcast. The way this show worked was they'd have a guest who'd have a secret. They'd have a panel of uh, contestants who would ask questions and try to figure out what the secret was. Well, this particular guest, uh, Dr. Samuel J. Seymour, he had a secret. And the, the guests, uh, the contestants tried to figure it out. Eventually, they got it. They found out that Mr. Seymour was an eyewitness to the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. He was in Ford's Theater. April 14th, 1865, he was there when, when Booth shot Lincoln. He saw Booth jump off the balcony, land on the stage, break his leg, drag himself out. He was testifying to this. Now, this was 1956. That's 91 years after the event, but he was an eyewitness. This was uh, broadcast in 1956. Well, that's, that's before my time, but it's not before my mother's time. She could have seen the show, and she could still tell you today. Today, we're 156 years after the assassination of Lincoln. But there would be only one link from the direct eyewitness, following my mom, and she could tell anybody today. So even one person get eyewitness testimony could span a period of over a century and a half. So very much Irenaeus, getting information from Polycarp, who was a student of the Apostle John, was very, very much in a position to know about the authorship of the Gospel book. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We will pick it up next time. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.